What's up, champs? Welcome back to Short Shifts, the twice-weekly show in between the mega Keeping Carlson episodes each and every Sunday night. I am Louis Ezekiel, and joining me today from the Fantasy Life podcast, uh, my good buddy, Victor Nuno. How you doing today, Victor, on this fine, fine Tuesday evening? I'm doing great, Lewis. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to hop on for a short shift. I don't think we've had the pleasure of doing it together, though. I think I've been on with Ben. Yeah, this is uh, this is our first combo, so really looking forward to it. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, it's getting close to American Thanksgiving, and I just want to say that fantasy hockey life is uh, full of surprises, and uh, just fantasy hockey, just like life. And I'm thankful for the Mr. E in my life. <laughs> well, much obliged, bud. Let's get right into things. Uh, I just want to start with something not super fantasy hockey related, but pretty cool. Uh, some Hall of Fame congratulations in order uh, for Daniel and Henrik Sedin, Roberto Luongo, Rika Salonen, Herb Carnegie, and of course, near and dear uh, to our friend Brian Comsheart, Red Wings legend. Daniel Alfredson. Uh, we got some really nice humor from uh, the Sedin twins. Uh, I want to thank whoever picked me to speak before Henrik. It reminds me of draft day, said Daniel, to start his speech. Uh, and of course, um, from, from Henrik, uh, he said, as you might know, I'm, I'm re- just recovered from COVID. It came down to a last minute decision to attend. But as our coaches always said, Henrik at 70% is a lot better than Daniel at 100 uh, so nice to see those guys uh, at their best, uh, really basking in the moment and uh, seeming to really lean in and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it was fun. And those guys are are great and really were fun to watch. And one of the things that was interesting about this class is that it seems like there was there's always been this criteria of like you have to have won the cup to get in. Right. And these uh, all the, the the inductees this round didn't and uh what what is your take on that what are your thoughts on that lewis you think that should should be or should we kind of be getting over that yeah i don't think it's necessary i i kind of like that aspect of this class just because you know obviously it's a team game and it's on gms to to put together these teams and you know not every player has the opportunity uh to have a great team built around them but that doesn't mean that they aren't great themselves uh, so I think it's cool to honor folks, even if they didn't maybe reach, uh, you know, that ultimate prize there. Um, you know, great, obviously, if you can and if you do, but uh, I don't think it should bar entry. You know, I don't think we need to be gatekeeping on the Hall of Fame. If you are a great player, you deserve to be in there. Uh, cup or no? I, I totally agree. There's so many mediocre players that have their name on the cup, right? They were just part of a good organization, a good team, and that that shouldn't be the criteria. And, you know, certainly Henrik and... Luongo, they and Alfredson did all they could, you know, and they have some pretty impressive stats to to back it up. So I'm I'm definitely with you. I think that's a silly argument. Oh, well, they didn't win the cup. They shouldn't be in. That's that's uh get out of here with that. Yeah, and I think that's a great point you make too about um <laughs> about all the scrubs who got on the cup. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh really cool. Uh we gotta start with some injury news. You wanna start us off, Victor? Yeah, definitely. We got uh Patrick Line. Out three to four weeks with the ankle sprain. Uh, that's that's unfortunate news. He's he's been unfortunately back to the infirmary. So, uh, and it seems like several times this season. And uh, he's only had eight eight games played. A little bit of a disappointment so far. But I guess the question is uh, what to do with him. Whether you want to send some offers to the line A owner 
four points in eight games, 41 point pace. He's just shooting less than half of his career norm. So it seems like there's some positive regression going to happen here. But Lewis, what do you think? Would you be sending out offers for the line eight owner? So I'm in a keeper league and I'm kind of in a rebuild and I did send out uh, some offers for line a, um, you can let me know what you think of them. Maybe they weren't, they weren't enough. I haven't uh, heard back in the affirmative. So it sounds like I didn't offer enough, but I sent out to Foley who I thought maybe might be appealing with his hot uh, one goal, two assists uh, from Monday night. Uh, I sent out Giroux, who's been on fire recently. So we'll see if I can get anything done. I think it would be nice to to have him in a keeper spot. But yeah, like you said, he's really struggled. Um, certainly there's room for improvement, but with how often he's been hitting uh, the the IR, it's been tough to kind of, I think, find his rhythm, uh, especially with some of the changes that have been taking place on the team. You'd love to see him and, and Gaudreau and whoever they end up having center them uh you know, get into a little bit of uh, a groove, but they haven't really had that opportunity. Uh, so I think it might continue to be kind of a tough year. Certainly he can do better than he's done. He's not a half point a game player. Um, but at the same time, I worry that, you know, these are some crucial times to sort of find some comfort. Uh, and just, you know, this team is ravaged with in- injuries uh, beyond line A. I think it's just going to be a tough go for them for a while here. Uh, we did see that Emil Bemstrom uh, was elevated to line one, power play one. Uh, he managed to put up a goal and an assist in 11 minutes uh, in the game where line A was injured. Uh, we imagine uh, that when we check Frozen Tools last game lines this uh, evening, you know, we'll see him with more time. Uh, should we be excited for Bemstrom with this opportunity? I have a feeling you know a little bit more about Emil Bemstrom than I do uh, as kind of a, a dynasty expert. Yeah. Bill Bemstrom, he's he's been around for a while, and he's someone who we've certainly talked a little about. He's got a he's got a pretty good shot, and he certainly has some offensive ability. But uh, yeah, he he kind of has struggled quite a bit. Uh, he's got 120 games played under his belt, and he's basically been at a 20 you know point pace over that time. He's got two points in these. Uh, two games playing right now as, as as we speak maybe he'll get the short shift bump and we'll we'll see a, a rise i i i added him this week just because of the the schedule um and the opportunity that he's having but in general i'm not so sure about that um i think that he's been he's been a little bit shaky and in our fantasy hockey discord i joke that he's more like ml bumstrom because mm-hmm. he's been kind of a bum lately um even though he he does have this opportunity. He has a Sunday game after after you're hearing this to go along with his Thursday Saturday, which is kind of nice. Playing with Jenner and Gaudreau should be nice. Um, but I would take the gamble on him. He's actually somebody who's uh, you know pretty good defensively, but a lot of his offensive numbers haven't really translated. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. And I wanted to circle back to Line a just real quick, if you don't mind, Lewis, because I personally have never been a big believer in him as someone who just doesn't really drive play he really needs someone to do all that heavy lifting for him and when he had a good center he was really good at that Uh, and certainly he succeeded last year in columbus so there's uh, there's thoughts that he can do that i definitely don't think he's a 40 point player as you said but i think the question is how high can he rebound to to foley Giroux. I mean, that shouldn't be enough, right? But it kind of looks like it right now based on how things are going with the how well they've been doing. Toffoli looks like a top-line player in Giroux and the offense going in, in Ottawa. It seems like it. Uh, I would have a hard time 
Uh, well, I don't own Line anywhere because of my feelings on him, but I would guess that his rebound is somewhere in the 70 point range. I'm not sure that he's a point per game player again. I thought that some of his production was inflated last year. So I would probably do that, but I'm not sure that many people would. I think a lot of people are holding on for more, but I'm just not sure it's going to be there. So yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about. And then the last guy that we wanted to talk about is ML Bemstrom's former center, Jack Roslevic, healthy scratched Tuesday. Uh, I guess uh, there's a lot going on in Columbus. And, you know, as we speak, they have two goals against. So we'll see how that's shaping up. But it seems like the goalies might be in for a little bit of a rough spot. Eh? Yeah, maybe if you're in a, uh, a league that you know, has some value for volume. Uh, I picked up Corpus because I needed a goalie who was taking some shots against. So I figure he'll be good for that at the very least. Um, let's jump to some happier news. Uh, an outjury in Calgary uh, with Jonathan Huberto returning to the lineup, uh, playing on a third line, it looks like, with uh, Backlund and Lewis. Uh, thoughts on this Huberto return? Yeah. Oh, my. Huberto, there's a lot of concern there uh, with his with his average time on ice. And this was kind of my concern with him moving to Calgary, Lewis. He relies on others, does Darnathan Huberto, to do the heavy lifting. I, I think in my mind, there's no question that Barkov was the one driving the bus down to Florida. I know he played some time away from Huberto as well. I mean, from Barkov as well. But he also, he always had a competent center. Um, but he really struggles to drive play by himself, does Huberdo. And so he really needs someone to kind of do that for him. And Lindholm, I think, can be that guy. But he was also buoyed by some really strong players last year. Um, but as you said, he's not playing with Lindholm or Kadri. So that's a little bit of a of a struggle. But Huberdo is definitely a guy that's going to get his opportunities. And he's still getting him on the power play. Um, but I think Calgary is trying to spread out their offense and have kind of three strong lines. And so that is really not good for Jonathan Huberto. But I guess the question is, it depends on what you were hoping from him, because I don't think that he's really what he showed last year. He's not an 120 point player. I'm not even sure he's a hundred point player, especially with this time on ice. Um, they really leaned on their top line last year, and it seems pretty clear that Sutter is not going to do that this year. So you probably have to roll back your expectations quite a bit. Um, but I certainly don't think it's time to hit the panic button and trade him for for nothing, as it kind of seemed last week when he was doing absolutely nothing. At least he got a couple of points. Um, but yeah, I think that you probably need to dial back your expectations. And I think my question for you, Lewis, is if you had him, if you had Huberdo. And you wanted to, and you had the opportunity to trade for a guy that was around a point per game. Do you do that, or do you still think that Huberdo can can get you more than that? I don't know. I would be awfully concerned seeing that he's down almost three minutes from what he was playing last year. He's only been over seventeen minutes three times this season out of twelve games. I might, if I had like a surefire point per game guy, and I had that offer, I might go for it. I don't own Huberdo anywhere just because I, you know, was sort of of the mind that. You know, he, he was not going to be able to repeat that that, that price was going to be inflated for him. Um, so I feel, I, you know, I count myself lucky that I was, that I was out of this position. And I think that was more or less the consensus, uh, among the folks, you know, uh, doing pods on this, uh, network. So, um, you know, I listened to some smart people who sort of felt like that wasn't going to be the case. But yeah, I think if I could get a surefire point per game guy, I would go for it because I'm not sure, uh, that JH is going to be, uh, is going to be that guy this season. 
Uh, all right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some patron questions we got. And we've got a hot forward uh, with crazy deployment. And we've got three cold defensemen that we're going to talk about. You are listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Victor, we solicited a couple questions from some of the patrons of Keeping Carlson. Uh, patron Edge, whose team name is Whose Line A Is It Anyway, asks, I'd be curious to get your take on Klingberg. No goals, so no shooting percent to speak of, but time on ice is up over a minute from Dallas. Uh, is a half point per game pace about what we can expect? Uh, so Klingberg is indeed up about 90 seconds a game from last year. And about 15 of those seconds are coming on the power play. Obviously, Anaheim doesn't have the kind of power play that Dallas uh, can send out. So uh, while he's the undisputed uh, quarterback in Anaheim, uh, they rank 24th in the league in expected goals per 60 on the power play. And they're achieving, uh, in actual production, they're down 31st. Uh, despite all this, Klingberg does at least have an assist on three of the four goals scored on the power play while he's been on the ice. Uh, so if the Ducks power play starts regressing, you know, back toward bottom third of the league instead of right way down in the basement, uh, this will maybe offset a bit of a decline because I don't think we can expect them to get in on 75% of all the goals they score on the power play. Um, you know, I'm just a bit worried also, uh, that almost all of his shots, uh, including his one wild seven shot game, uh, and most of his assists have come against San Jose, Vancouver, and Seattle. Is it crazy to be worried about these matchups? He's going to see these guys plenty this year. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me a little nervous that he's only really achieving against these kind of crummy teams. Any thoughts on Klingberg here? Yeah, well, you actually mentioned something that I was exactly thinking. Yeah, he's gotten points against those bad teams, but he's going to play those bad teams over and over again. So I, I wouldn't be so worried about that part. And I would just say in general that I believe in Klingbird. He, he's a proven commodity. We were talking about this in the preseason. Yes, it's always difficult when you go to a new team and you're not really sure what to expect. And that that can be a challenge. And it's obviously been a rough patch for the Ducks. There's no no doubt about it. Uh, but even with his rough start, no goals on 20 shots, he's a, a 6% career shooter. He should have a few more, or at least a couple of shots, I should say, uh, goals. But he's already, even with all those struggles, he's around a 40-point pace, which is basically he's never done worse than a 45-point pace. And that was in the the first COVID-shortened season. So I'm pretty sure he can do that and better. And you also don't play Klingberg without giving him the best offensive deployment. So unlike some guys that you might worry about that are going to get relegated, that's not going to be the case for Klingberg. He's not a defensive stalwart. He's, you know, passable in some situations, but he excels on the power play. That's where you have to have him. And the Ducks have weapons. So you have to imagine, as you said, that that's going to regress. And I think as a team, they will rebound. You mentioned the power play numbers at even strength. The Ducks sit just ahead of the Coyotes in terms of expected goals for percent. That's crazy. Behind the Blue Jackets, Flyers, Blackhawks. Red Wings, Caps, Canucks, Islanders, and Sharks. I have a feeling they're better than at least a few of those teams, if not maybe all of them. So once they get a little bit more offense going, he's going to get at least some assists and a few goals. I think he's going to get back up to that 50-point pace. And while his bash block shots hits isn't elite, it's generally more passable than it is right now. So I feel like that might regress a little bit positively as well. So I'm pretty, I, I, would, I would be happy to acquire Klingberg right now as a buy low. 
All right. I, I guess I'm a little more cautious, but I, I like what you're saying here. I, it's given me some, some optimism and hopefully, uh, for Edge, it's helping him feel like maybe he can hope for a little bit more than this, this half point per game, uh, that he's been able to get up to this point. And, you know, if he can cash in with seven shots every once in a while when he's playing, uh, Seattle or, uh, San Jose, you know, you love to see it. And, you're absolutely right about his deployment. This is not someone that you're going to be nervous about seeing him shuffle down the line like uh, all of my poor fellow Headman owners uh, who are watching uh, as as we're seeing a, a the annual uh, attempt from Sergachev to kind of move up to that top spot. Um, all right. Well, we had another patron question, uh, and this one relates to the perfection line. Patron Rob, uh, team name Skateful Dead. Love that. That's awesome. Uh, asks, I know Taylor Hall got some attention on the big Sunday show, but do you guys have any David Krejci thoughts? Uh, more specifically, is he a must hold or is he more of an only rosterable when he's on power play one or playing with pasta? Um, yeah, I think obviously you want him playing with Pasternak. You know, that is uh, a situation that he really thrived in, obviously, earlier in the year. Um, but I'm not ready to declare these regular lines dead quite yet. Um, Krejci Hall DeBrusque is like a pretty decent second line, I suppose, but it's not sort of why you drafted these guys where you drafted them with the hope that they would be, you know, lined up on the first line with Marchand and Bergeron or on the second line, uh, with Pasternak. So seeing those three together, I think it does take some of the shine off of this trio. Um, you know, the other thing that sort of has me hesitant to make a move in the short term is that we really haven't seen things kind of settle down on the power play. Uh, since McAvoy has been back, we've seen some of this five forward setup. We've seen some of Lindholm and McAvoy out together with power play two. And I think late in the game, we saw DeBrusque swapped out for McAvoy. Um, on that top power play. So, you know, I think we need some more data points here before we're going to take any drastic steps. I imagine by the time Brian and Elon are on the show, uh, this weekend, you know, we'll have a few more games and we only have two this week and they're very busy. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll have a stronger sense of where things are going. But my sense right now is just, uh, to hold until we have more information. I don't think you want to lose a valuable asset just because there's a little bit of uncertainty about sort of what comes next. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and Krejci, yes, he's a number two center, but I think of all the number two centers in the league, he's probably one of the ones you, you want to own because of the firepower that can be dropped down to his line and the Bruins being much better than I think. I think a lot of people thought they would take a step back this year, but he's been good. So, I mean, I think must roster depends on the depth of the league that you're talking about. Um, but I think in general, he's going to be an appealing option in most leagues if you pump him out to free agency. So I would be concerned about that for sure. But I agree with you, too, that I, I'm not convinced that this is where this is going to settle. And I would certainly with DeBrusque, I would be wanting to hold because he seems like he's been he's found a new gear this year. He seems like that was a really difficult time with him and with uh, under Cassidy's thumb. And he just seems like he's free now. And he's kind of living up to a lot of the potential that some people have thought he's had. And he's, he's gotten that opportunity. He's done a, a good amount with it. I mean, shooting more than ever. I we've never seen him shoot like this. I think that was mentioned on the, on the main show, the mega show. And yeah, I think that he could easily get a line shuffle back up playing with some of the elite players. So 
again, not know about a must hold, but you have to think about if this guy is in free agency, are you going to want someone who might have exposure to those top players in Boston? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I think even with this tough schedule, you know, two games this weekend, busy days, three games next week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which are the busy days, thanks to American Thanksgiving. You know, it's it, he might be kind of a tough hold for a while, but if at the end of those five games it shakes out that, you know, he's back in that top spot, then you would really regret losing him, you know, just so that you can squeeze in what, you know, a couple games from some, you know, scrub off of off of the waiver wire that, you know, may or may not have an impact. Uh, you don't want to regret having a drop. So, um, yeah, I think I think like, a, yeah, I'm, I'm a hold for the time being. Uh, all right. A couple more topics here for us. We cannot let the show go by uh, without talking about King Arthur Kaliev, uh, or as Jacabs in the patron discord said, Uzbek Prince Kaliev. We got to give him, uh, give him some credit. Talk about, you know, where he's come from. Um, But Kaliev scored twice on five shots against the Flames on Monday, uh, including one on that second power play, uh, which has elevated him to six goals, seven assists on 39 shots, uh, 13 points in 17 games. He's done all of this without breaking 14 minutes in any game he's played this season, mostly from the bottom six, mostly from line four. His most common line mates uh, this season have been Blake Lazat and Brendan Lemieux, uh, and Power Play 2 with Arvidsson, Deneau, Moore, and Dursey. Uh, Power Play 2 was rewarded for their efforts uh, in Monday's game by being sent out first uh, later on in that game, and they did end up with 54% of the Power Play time on ice. Uh, they've held the advantage in power play time three other times this season. But when the lines were shaken up to effectively generate offense in the third, uh, it was Grundstrom replacing Velarde on line one and Kaliev stayed on line four. So despite his heroics, it didn't seem like he was getting rewarded a whole lot. Uh, I wanted to ask because, again, I think you have some insight here. You know, is there any reason to think that this crazy efficiency can continue? Can he be on this 62 point pace? You know, is is he by far the most interesting line four power play two guy in the NHL? Um, or do you think of him as maybe an ad hold for his Wednesday, Friday schedule remaining this week? And then come Saturday, he's a guy that you can cycle out and not, you know, not miss a whole lot. Yeah, a lot of good questions there. First of all, I'm so mad I didn't get him. I was going to set a timer for midnight because I identified L.A. as such a good schedule and I he was my top target for the week. Uh, but I chose sleep and I lost out on Kaliev and uh, ended up with Grunstrom, which hasn't gone so well so far. I think in a shallow league, yeah, I think he could be a drop, but uh, I think there's something there. I'm not sure that that we can say he's going to be so good, but I mentioned this over the summer on our team preview at Fantasy Hockey Life. Kaliev has the talent to be a top line forward. He is an excellent shooter. He's an excellent offensive player. But when he came into the league, he was terrible defensively. He basically cared not at all about that part like a lot of young offensive forwards did. And they kind of forced him to get better at his defense. And he did. He was one of the best two-way forwards on LA last year. And there weren't a lot of points, but he wasn't focusing on that. So this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps getting that opportunity. He's shown he can play in in kind of any role they put him in, which is a good thing for the coach. I could see him kind of getting a stream spot into a better opportunity as well, especially with an injury. And as I mentioned, he has the talent to put a lot of pucks in the net. So he's obviously not doing it right now with this opportunity. Um, I think if you can hold on, then he's someone who could surprise you. And he obviously showed with limited um, opportunity that he was able to do a lot 
uh, on the first night of the week. I would definitely hold this week and, you know, see if you can hold longer if he continues to produce because he's someone who could bump up to, you know, be in the top six. And I think that ultimately that could be his rightful spot. Uh, even if it doesn't quite happen this year. So if it's a if it's a pretty shallow league, then obviously stream him out. But if it's like a keeper, if you could hold him longer, Arthur Kaliev is definitely somebody who should be on your long term radar. Yeah, really interesting. I think deployment wise, you know, this is this is a really fascinating situation where almost never are you talking about a guy in his slot in the lineup as being really fantasy relevant. So uh, cool to see and hope he can keep it up. Uh, the Kings do have a pretty favorable schedule uh, next week with um, at least one off day game. So uh, yeah, might be might be worth a hold to see if you can get him uh, through next week. All right, and then uh, we wanted to talk about uh, a cold streak here. I have three cold defensemen who are in slightly different situations that, in a way that I think makes them interesting. Uh, and I want to see how we would rank them um, in terms of their appeal, who you want to hold on to, who you think has the best chance to rebound. Uh, those are Moritz Sider, Evan Bouchard, and Shane Gostas-Bear. Um, so just kind of running through quickly the player, their deployment, their stats for the season and the last five games. Uh, so for Cider, you've got him as on the top pair uh, with Ben Sherratt. He's on power play two, at least for now. Um, no goals, five assists, 27 shots, uh, 33 hits, and 35 blocks on the season. Uh, three assists and seven shots in the last five games. Then you got Evan Bouchard, who's on the second pair uh, with Kulak, power play two. Uh, although we're always sort of wondering, you know, can he maybe uh, usurp Tyson Berry? But I think Tyson Berry had uh, at least one. I know he scored twice. I don't know if they were both on the power play. Uh, so it seems like he's solidified that position for now. Anyway, uh, no goals, five assists, 36 shots, 29 hits, 16 blocks on the season. Uh, no points and eight shots in the last five. And then Gostisberry, who's had, you know, the most offensive success, you know, he has goals, unlike the others. He's playing way down on the third pair with Josh Brown, but he is on power play one with J.J. Moser. Uh, four goals, three assists, 35 shots, seven hits, 23 blocks, uh, two assists, and six shots in the last five. Uh, out of those guys, who do you see? You know, all of them are kind of struggling lately, not doing a whole lot of production here. Uh, who do you feel like is the one you would most want to hold? And are you ready to let any of them go? Well, I think for me, it's definitely Cider. And no, it's not because I'm talking to the Red Wings homer here. It has nothing to do with it, Lewis. He didn't influence me. Uh, but I just think he's simply the best defender on his team and and maybe even the best dang player on his team. And I wanted to add a little bit more context. You threw out a lot of numbers, which was helpful. But I would also add that in terms of cookupful points per game, they currently stand as Gostas Bear first, 4.53, Cider second with 3.68, and Bouchard last with 3.07. And as you mentioned, the one who's done the most scoring is Gostas Bear. So the others could have some positive regression in terms of their points, which would certainly help their average. So that's something to think about. But the other thing is that Cider getting a lot of strong perifs to, to boost his floor. And um Bouchard as you mentioned I think his spot is just the most precarious right because I think he's good enough to be running the power play and kind of be in all situations kind of guy but you just don't have Tyson Berry on your team unless he's running your power play you just don't do it so that's going to really limit Bouchard's opportunity so he's last for me so it really comes down to between Cider and Gostas Bear and I mean, Arizona should be showcasing him to get all the points he can for a trade, right? But I'm just not sure 
if that's going to happen. And and Moser certainly is someone who's shown to be capable and, you know, um, that might limit Gus's Bears opportunity. Plus just Arizona in general might limit his opportunity and availability for points. Although he seemed, they see, seem to still getting them and they seem better than, than we all expected. But for me, I like the high floor and the positive regression that we should see from cider to get in on more points. He hasn't really gotten in on much at all. And then Gustus Bear, just because he's an offensive guy and he's already kind of doing it. And I and Bouchard third, just for, I, I like him a lot, but I just think that as long as Barry's there, he's not going to get the proper opportunity. And that's disappointing. So that's my order. Lewis, what about you? Yeah, if you're not paying Barry to to run that top power play, then what, what exactly are you paying him for? You know, I think that's a really good point. And that is also why I have Bouchard down on the bottom. High hopes for him, certainly. Um, but ultimately not going to pay off uh, in a one-year league here. Uh, if you got him in a keeper, you know, hang in there, because obviously this is a guy with a ton of talent. He's just got to wait for that opportunity. I really struggled with who I wanted to put ahead with Cider and Gosses Bear, and I, I kind of took a cop-out and had them as sort of being even. Maybe the thing that tips the scales for me is if Jacob Chikrin comes back at any point, I think that's going to be another factor that's going to put some pressure on Gosses Bear's available time. Um, but Philip Aronik, you know, has been doing pretty decently on that top power play too. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's so close. Um, I really, I really was feeling like I was splitting hairs. So I'm going to cop out and say Cider and Ghost of Spare are about even for me, um, due to, you know, all of the things that you mentioned, you know, uh, Cider's peripherals give him, uh, an advantage if you're in a pure scoring league. You know, no doubt. I think you put Ghost of Spare ahead, but he doesn't give you a whole lot in the hits and, you know, blocks are only so-so compared to Cider. He's got about half again as many. Um, so yeah, really, I think it depends on the fit. Just like anything, you want to know your settings, know how your league works and, uh, choose wisely between those two. But I think they're both kind of, they're both very much in the same tier for me and a step ahead of Bouchard, despite all being, uh, kind of cold here. Would love to see Cider back on that top power play, but I think he's going to have to earn it. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. But as of right now, yeah, looking at those two as pretty close together. All right, Victor, so much fun. Thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, stepping up and filling in for Ben here. Uh, where can people find your work? Yeah, you can listen to our podcast, Fantasy Hockey Life. Jesse and I talk a lot about Dynasty and about prospects. And, you know, we leave a lot of the day-to-day, week-to-week stuff to the Keeping Carlson, uh, our friends at Keeping Carlson and Short Shifts. So we try to take a little bit longer view. Uh, we also bring on scouts and talk about that kind of stuff. So you can find us in your podcast aggregator of your choice. And you can follow me at Victor Nuno 12, B I C T O R N U N O 1 2, and Jesse at Fan Hockey Life. Thanks, Lewis. Uh, it was a blast. Outstanding. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. And thanks for everybody who has chosen to listen. Uh, please be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. You can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL. All organized very nicely at the site GameDayLineTweets.com. Uh, visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see See you next time. Play smart and keep your shifts short.